¿Estás listo para convertir tus mejores ideas en un negocio en línea exitoso? Te presentamos Shopify. Tal vez no lo sabías, pero nuestro podcast More Than Mammies es un negocio y lo empezamos, por supuesto, para desahogarnos y hablar sobre la maternidad, no para convertirnos en expertas de ventas y del e-commerce. Así que sí, necesitábamos ayuda para vender nuestro merch y poner en marcha nuestra tienda. ¿Y cómo suena con Shopify? Llegó otra venta. Shopify es la plataforma de comercio que está revolucionando millones de negocios en todo el mundo. Ya seas un emprendedor desde tu casa o desde donde sea, Shopify es la única herramienta que necesitas para iniciar, administrar y hacer crecer tu negocio sin dificultades. Con Shopify puedo gestionar pedidos, envíos y pagos desde cualquier lugar, brindándote toda la información y estadísticas de tus ventas al detalle. Regístrate para un periodo de prueba con tan solo un dólar al mes en shopify.com barra sonoro. Todo en minutos. Ve a Shopify.com barra sonoro para llevar tu negocio al siguiente nivel. Shopify.com barra sonoro. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers Thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I'm a small business owner, and I believe that this is a great tool for other small business owners. In small businesses, you need to create a team. And if you're starting by yourself, Constant Contact can be the team that you need. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by the 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Virus is winning, and it's winning because we have not presented a united front against it. And that can only be possible if world leaders work properly together to get that united front in place. Virus is not a political animal. And those of us who are involved in dealing with it should be dealing with it without having an ideological tip to our responses. There is no excuse for not wearing face masks. If people are truly panicked by wearing face masks, let's understand it and let's work with them on alternatives. Unless we do this together, this virus is going to beat us. Hello, and welcome to the Global Goalscast, the podcast that shows how we can change the world. In this episode, getting along with each other so that we can live with COVID-19 for the long haul. The Delta variant continues to surge around the world. And right behind it comes Omicron. But after two years, have we learned what to do to protect ourselves, our neighbors, and the global community? We cannot fight the virus if we're fighting each other. Amen to that. We will have more right after this. 
This episode of Global Goals Cast is brought to you by Universal Production Music, one of the world's leading production music companies creating and licensing music for film, television, advertising, broadcast, and other media, including podcasts. When I joined Universal Production Music, I couldn't believe how few female composers that we were working with. So I think it's really the job of us that are in the profession to give those people a platform to wave and stand on the stage and share their music. And later on, we'll hear more from Universal Production Music's Managing Director, Jane Carter, about the 100% Her initiative. Thanks also to CBS News Digital. Welcome back. I'm Claudia Romo. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and I'm in Elash. Claudia, where's your voice? <laughs> Idi, my energy's here. My voice is gone. <laughs> I had like the most important week for the Latino community. We gathered 350 leaders on under the Hispanic Leadership Summit, bringing Latino leaders and allies from all across the country to revalidate our agenda. And it was important to gather, despite the fear that we had with the various variants, but it was important to gather and we did it in a way that was safe for all. Okay, well, let's hear more about that a little later. In our last episode, we heard a cry of pain from public health officials after travel lockdowns cut off Southern Africa in a largely futile effort to keep the Omicron variant from spreading. It was an emotional session two weeks ago. I think all of us having just heard about We've been attending David Nabarro's COVID-19 briefing all through this pandemic. And the anger and the pain was never more visceral than we heard in that episode. And we expressed our views. And I'm very pleased about that. I think we need... And maybe disappointment that the world doesn't seem to listen to the sound public health advice? Yeah, I think so. We wanted to learn more now that the initial shock of the discovery of Omicron is passed. Now that it's crystal clear, we will have to find a way to live with COVID-19, which means living with each other, too. David Navarro is the special envoy of the World Health Organization for COVID-19 and my old boss. Now, we've got folk joining from all over the world. I'm going to stick with the structure that we've used in several of the recent briefings and I want, therefore, to start by actually talking about the pandemic. In the last 24 hours before this situation report, which appeared on the 9th of December, there were 644,000 new cases uh, in 24 hours. That is a lot. A lot of coronavirus being picked up. And... So it's not surprising that we are in the middle of another of these spikes of COVID reported from around the world that's been building up since October. Most of the reported cases that have been bulging out the numbers are coming from Europe, and it's quite disturbing. We had hoped that the numbers of deaths would not climb up parallel with the numbers of cases, and certainly... The numbers of deaths is is not as big as the daily death rates were 
due to COVID in August and September or in April and May, but there are still a lot of people dying. 8,213 persons were reported as dying with COVID in the 24-hour period, bringing us to a, a total of global recorded deaths of the order of 5,277,000. The new variant that was talked about two weeks ago is not making much difference to the numbers in most of the world, but the recent uptick in numbers of people with COVID in South Africa is thought to be pretty much to do with this new variant, Omicron. Now, when we talk about COVID and what's happening, we tend to say that people are the solution. Virus is the problem and people is the solution. So we tend to say that it's really important to invest in people, offering them consistent information, being as honest as we can with them. Don't be overly optimistic or pessimistic. People are the solution and the virus is the problem. But people bring politics and that is a big problem too. The virus is not a political animal. And those of us who are involved in dealing with it should be dealing with it without having an ideological tinge to our responses. But here is a crucial point. Dr. Navarro explained to his public health colleagues that being non-political still means understanding the situation and the concerns of people and working with their political leaders. We say people are the solution and partnering between people and government is key. We want to try to avoid constant hesitancy and non-uptake on activities that people can do to reduce transmission. So the style that I'm increasingly advocating is a very well-developed partnership between political leaders and people. Of course, built into that is the absolute need for good examples to be set. It's not appropriate if you're asking people to wear masks and not to breathe in each other's air if you have well-attended parties where nobody wears masks and there's a lot of overt socialization. So example really matters in the people-leader uh, partnerships that we're proposing. But most importantly, trying very hard not to get into a situation where the relationship is adversarial. Set a good example and bring people along. Here in the UK, that's not going so well. And cooperation is so important because the situation is complicated which led to a surprising discussion of mandates. Forcing people to do the right thing might do more harm than good. I've been very clear that as far as I'm concerned, legal mandates for people to do things, whether it's wearing masks or to be vaccinated, really must be a last resort. And we'll talk a bit about vaccine mandates today because it's a very big issue, particularly in the US. And my own constant wish is see this as a last resort. If you compel people to be vaccinated and they don't want to be vaccinated, you will find it very hard to get them to be part of your response. These last two years have been hell, but Dr. Navarro still has faith that if you give people accurate, honest information, they will make 
right choices. I want to spend a little bit more about Omicron and its ability perhaps to break through the defences of the different vaccines. Here's the general position about how these vaccines are working. They're stimulating both antibodies and what are called T-cells, the kind of uh, cells that are produced by the body in response to a threat that can surround that, that threat and make it easier for the body's defences to digest it and get rid of it. So the T-cells are super important, but the antibodies are also important. These compounds in the blood that bind to the pathogen and, and actually also make it easier for it to be dealt with by the body's defence mechanisms. So what happens when one is in, injected with, for example, one of the mRNA vaccines uh, or by AstraZeneca? Answer, after a period of weeks, usually two or three, the body develops the capacity to produce antibodies in response to the virus. That's because the vaccine is priming the body's immune response, getting it sort of tuned up and ready so that once the nasty virus comes along, that uh, virus can be dealt with, the illness will not be so severe, a person will be much, much less likely to die. Well, the mRNA vaccines and AstraZeneca produce really good antibodies and T-cell potentiation to deal with the normal strains of COVID. But the early signs are that they will be less good, the antibodies and the T-cells, defending against Omicron. Now, as if I have been given the vaccine, my antibody response will not say strong month after month. This is not immunity for life. It looks like the immune response really does wear down and become less pronounced some months after you've been immunized, which is why booster immunizations are being encouraged to help people top up their immune response capacity. So there does look as though we've got this declining immunity anyway. So what you can imagine will happen is that if somebody who's been immunized, say, 12 months ago, is challenged by being exposed to the Delta variant, then there's a pretty good chance that they will have a strong response. If the hypothesis is that if somebody is challenged by being exposed to Omicron, that they will have a, a really a, a much feebler response at 12 months than they might have done a few months earlier, i.e. that as protection wanes in the months after immunization, so those who have been immunized will be more susceptible to be infected by Omicron than they will by Delta. So that's why the argument is being put out very strongly that to protect against Omicron, those who are eligible for boosters should have their boosters on time. There is absolutely no case for overrunning and postponing your boosters. I'm very clear to all of you that I personally do not believe that a population vaccinated with any one of the current vaccines is also going to be a population in which transmission of the virus just stops. I don't think that's true. And I think there's growing evidence that even if you're vaccinated and are not getting severe illness, 
you're still capable of transmitting the virus and infecting other people. And so I'm asking everybody to bear this in mind. Vaccination does not stop transmission. It does reduce the risk of severe illness and death. So what does that mean? It means that any country or community that relies on vaccination alone to try to reduce transmission is taking a huge gamble. As well as vaccination, we believe, and I'm quoting here WHO colleagues, we believe that efforts to reduce transmission are absolutely key. Just reduce the number of contacts you have with other people. And if you are in contact with other people, avoid them breathing your exhaled air and avoid your breathing their exhaled air. If you're carrying the virus and you don't know about it, the best way to stop your exhaled air leading to infection of somebody near you is to wear a well-fitting surgical face mask. There is no excuse for not wearing face masks. I know that's a double negative, but I mean it. There is no excuse for not wearing face masks. If people are truly panicked by wearing face masks, let's understand it and let's work with them on alternatives. But just simply wearing, not wearing a face mask because you don't like it, because it doesn't make your mouth taste nice or that sort of stuff, it's not good enough. Bringing people and their leaders along with countries is one public health challenge. Another is bringing leaders together across borders. The failure of countries to cooperate with each other and with international organizations has made this pandemic far worse than it needed to be. But Dr. Nabarro has not given up. It is absolutely essential that there is a, a global response to this pandemic with new variants emerging, with the real inequity around access to vaccination and with all the toing and froing on travel and the inequities on some of the travel restrictions that have been introduced. It's got to be a, a, a constant approach to this with protocols appearing that are agreed across nations for travel and also for dealing with new variants as they emerge. We're not there. We've got a lot of countries looking at the possibility of a global response to the next pandemic, but dealing with this pandemic is still just about each country for themselves. So what we're going to do in 2022 is to continue to push very strongly for a global response. The WHO special envoys will give this highest possible priority and we will just not stop talking about it. And we will look for advocates to help us. Gordon Brown in particular has been really, really helpful. Also the head of the African Union and plus also the head of the African Union Development Agency, Ibrahim Maiki, and the, the African CDC, John and Kengsong. These are all people who are just saying, unless we do this together, this virus is going to beat us. And as Maria Van Kokovi of WHO said to Catherine and I this morning again, she just said, the virus is winning. And I think that is the point we need to keep saying to people. The virus is winning. And it's winning because we've not presented a united front against it. And that can only be possible if world leaders work properly together to get that united front in place. If any of you is from a business, please talk to your CEO and say to your CEO that it's your CEO's responsibility to talk to prime ministers or presidents of the countries in which your company operates 
because unless there is a stable global standard response to this pandemic, which is going to go on for the coming years, your own ability to run any kind of international training, international activity is going to be sorely damaged. And the problems we've already got with supply chains are just going to get worse and worse. I really admired David Navarro's perseverance. Yeah, that's my old boss. After two years of this, some people might just give up. But you just heard him lay out his goal for the year three of the pandemic, finally, global cooperation, finally, a global plan. And we so need it. Take vaccine inequity, which we've spoken about. This is such a difficult one. Boosters are needed to protect against waning immunity and new variants. Yet the best protection against new variants is to vaccinate the unvaccinated. So we need to do both without delays. More vaccine production and better vaccine distribution. Because the virus really is everywhere. And when we come back, we'll hear how it even infected one of the attendees at the COVID-19 briefing. Right after this message. We love our partnership with Universal Production Music. Much of the music you hear in this podcast is from their huge catalog. I spoke with Jane Carter, Managing Director, Universal Production Music, about her career working in music. I've learned so much from working with composers. And it's been very fortunate that I work with so many talented composers. And to, to understand how to work with them, you have to listen. They are in a very vulnerable situation. They put their heart out there when they write those notes on a page or put them into a software program. And it's very important to remember that when they do that, when they write that series of notes, at that point in time, they own it completely. Nobody else has heard it. And really that's their birthright. It's theirs. And the business of music is about what happens to those notes after that. And as us professionals, we're here, especially in publishing, to protect those rights for them. So those notes can end up being played out on the radio. They can be in a concert hall, recorded. They can be synced into a television program or a film. And we have to protect that for them. A, to make sure they're paid correctly and to make sure that their music is used in the right way. When I joined Universal Production Music, I couldn't believe how few female composers that we were working with. So I think it's really the job of us that are in the profession to give those people a platform to wave and stand on the stage and share their music. Universal Production Music has an initiative called 100% Her, which they do in partnership with She Said So which we featured in season four. It's an album where every track is composed, mixed, and mastered by women. And they've now put out a second album. The first time around, we had a really good number of entries. The second time around, I think it was over 1,600 people applied. The winners of the entries have their track on a production music album playlist that then enters our catalogue. That's a great prize. But the important thing is that we don't just let them go after that. We work closely with them and nurture them 
and invite them back to write more music for us. And hopefully people hear their music and ask them to go and eventually write a TV score or a film score or an album or a collaboration. It's just the beginning of the journey for them, but it's really close to my heart that we continue this initiative. To find out about Universal's 100% Her program, check out the Universal Production Music website. Welcome back. Edie, David Navarro and his colleagues are consummate public health professionals, and they have been through so much these past two years. That's right, Claudia. And it is so moving to be in those sessions when we see how the professionals fighting the worst pandemic in a hundred years are also people suffering through the pandemic, just like the rest of us. It happened again at this latest briefing. I actually have COVID right now, and I'm on day eight of isolation. That's Chris Shipton, a digital scribe from Live Illustration. At each briefing, he and his colleagues transform, really brilliantly, words from the public health officials into dramatic visuals. And this week, there was added drama. Chris was illustrating the COVID briefing from his COVID sickbed. Well, to be honest, it's pretty awful, I've got to say. This is like the first bit of work I've done. So the drawing's a bit ropey. Thank you so much for being here. I want to spend a bit longer and give you a hug, but I can't do that. And it would be anyway not a cool thing to do. And it's jolly hard to hug over Zoom. I've tried. David Navarro's big theme was cooperation, not compulsion, to stop this pandemic. And that very much includes cooperation between workers and management. I wanted to hear from James Ritchie a little bit about his experiences of working with employers when workers are trying to navigate better working conditions under health and safety arrangements in factories or similar in hotels and the like. And also there's been a particular issue about the relationship between factories needing more workers and at the same time, factories saying, we really want you to be vaccinated if you come and work for us. And in fact, if you're not vaccinated, we won't be able to give you a job. James Ritchie is the Assistant General Secretary of the union that represents workers in food, agriculture, and tourism around the world. If I could just uh, touch on some of the workplace issues at the moment, we, we are seeing a move by some employers towards mandatory vaccination. and. I understand it is a last resort, but it is a resort that we as trade unions also understand. And it's because this, this really, the international standard for occupational safety and health is ILO Convention 155, which says many things. But one important thing that it says is that it is the employer's responsibility to ensure a safe workplace and to remove any hazards from the workplace, eliminate hazards from the workplace, or manage the hazards as best as possible. So there's a very strong argument to say that if an employer allows people who are more likely to transmit COVID by being unvaccinated in the workplace, then they are failing to remove the hazard in a way that is within their power to do. I insist that employees of this enterprise 
be vaccinated. Now, it, it's a last resort. It's difficult. But what our um, trade union affiliates for our international organization try and do is work and negotiate with employers around how they manage the workplace. And if they agree that mandatory vaccination or as, or as maximum as possible vaccination uh, is desirable, and they do, then it's a matter of implementing a program which encourages workers very strongly to get vaccinated. And dismissal from the employment is the absolute last resort, but it happens sometimes. And if I can just give the example of Tyson Foods in the United States, our affiliate, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, represents 39,000 workers that work for this employer. Of those, they introduced mandatory vaccination. They negotiated the terms of that mandatory vaccination with the union. And of uh, 39,000 workers, there is uh, 119, I think the figure is, at least certainly less than 200 workers who ended up being dismissed because they refused vaccination. Having had the chance of, of talking with and working with James Ritchie and his colleagues, actually quite a lot over the last two years, I'm more and more aware of the absolute importance of trades unions in helping to establish the best possible, in terms of health and safety, working environments for personnel. Workers are a key group, and so, of course, are their kids and their parents. Claire Rayner is a retired consultant occupational physician with first-hand experience of long COVID. Children, just briefly, it's extremely upsetting. There's no mitigations or protections in schools and uh, they are getting long COVID. There seems to be very little difference to the long-term effects on children than adults. Exactly the same really is and it's heartbreaking to see. The experience of children and the poor parents is being so denied and minimised by by everybody that runs health services in, in this country, really. They're having more of a battle than than adults are. And, and it's the reinfections some of these children are getting. Some of these children have been, I know, they've been off for 20 months unable to go to school. No. Now, this isn't a... Yeah, and they're getting reinfections on top. I dread yeah. to think because I think what we're going to find is brain damage with some of them, just like in adults. In many countries, there is great inconsistency in adhering to public health measures. Dr. Nabarro asked Nendimra to describe the situation in Nigeria. Nendimra has been joining us on and off. I don't know where you are right now physically, but I'd love to hear your take on what's going on and any reflections you'd like to share. Let's see whether your internet works. Okay, thank you so much, Mr. David. It's my pleasure to be back on board again. Presently, I'm in Nigeria, but in a new part in Nigeria, that's in the northern part of Nigeria. So I would like to talk about our relaxed measures concerning the COVID-19 issues and uh, other viruses that are coming up. So uh, from where I was, Initially, I was in Lagos, and I know that uh, the government down there are trying their best to see that the issues of COVID-19 is being tackled um, appropriately, wearing of masks, giving distance in between and all that. 
and then avoiding much crowds. But coming down to the northern part of Nigeria, it's entirely a different thing. You hardly see people wearing nose masks. And I think it's not proper for um, uh, such kind of thing to be going on. So I think measures should be carried out or we need to go back to the drawing board. I think these issues that are coming up fresh presently is due to our negligence. We need to take measures, go back sensitizing people about the need to take care of themselves, wear no smarts at all time and all that. So globally, people are facing almost the same thing. The pandemic, it's a global issue. So if it's possible for the appropriate bodies that are taking measures in sanctioning some countries, moving from one place to the other, in as much that uh, it's needed, I think empathy should be also considered. Thank you very much indeed for sharing that last point about if you're going to do sanctions, please apply them with empathy. There is nothing to be gained by applying them with, um, I suppose, brutality and lack of caring. So very important. We will take your words and the way you express them with us. Remember, we are a family. We've become stronger over the really many, many sessions that we've had together and we will stick together. So, Claudia, the thing that sticks with me for this episode, you mentioned earlier that cooperation, not compulsion, is going to be the way that we get through this pandemic. And that really feels true to me. This whole week in the UK has been discussion about how we get the people who don't want to be vaccinated, vaccinated. Do we need to compel them to do it? And overwhelmingly, it feels to me like the argument is you have to get people on your side rather than push those needles into them. You know, because we've had Delta, it's still the source of most of the infections and illness around the world. And now we've got Omicron. That 2022 pledge from Nabarro about the global plan for me, seems to be so important. We can't do this without vaccines alone. And the vaccines, as we have said on this podcast, have to be distributed more mindfully to suppress variants by vaccinating the unvaccinated first. And that also means helping lower income countries improve distribution. We still don't have enough vaccine, but we do have more than we had at first. And some of it is still not reaching people who need it because of weak public health systems. So 2022, year three of the pandemic. Here we go. So much to do. The truth, Edie, is that we have to learn to live with it. I had planned for so long this Hispanic Leadership Summit, and all of a sudden, Omicron came. People started panicking, and I really didn't know whether I was going to be the focus of infection of 300 leaders, or the most important leaders in the country, you know, getting COVID. 
the reality is that I consulted with David Navarro and we took every single piece of measure and doubled it up so that we can continue having the things that we have to have and continue living but doing it as, as safe as we can. In our case, it, it was really hard. I was already so nervous to do a gala, but imagine doing a party where you're expecting people to sit down and sweat and we had Fonseca and it was a concert and it was a La Latino fiesta of the year. But I th also think that we have to just like start establishing the fact that this might be here to stay. And there's a lot of people, I do think that there's a lot of people that think that imposition or compulsion are ways. And if I started looking at the responsibility of those 20% of the leaders that declined and heard their stories about vaccination hesitancy, and you know, it's not that they were denied, they were petrified to die and they were like, I'm the breadwinner of my family, I can't do that. So if you're an employer, just don't forget that policy only gets you that far. If you impose like people that want to work here, they either have to be vaccinated or they're not gonna come and work here. We have to work with whatever we takes so that people move from fear to action and understanding. And in many instances, it's not policy and imposition and compulsion is not alone. You have to work with health workers, community leaders, religious leaders, with grandparents, whatever it takes, so that people understand that vaccinations don't kill and that it's so important to fight misinformation with real information as opposed to just like to imposing information. But we have to learn how to live with this and we have to bring everybody on board. So much to do, so much to learn, and we were gonna be following all of the developments as we move into the third year of the pandemic, which, Claudia, is the fifth year of Global Goals Cast. Woo! Oh my, oh my! <laughs> I'm ready to lose my voice completely over that one. <laughs> Celebration time! Unbelievable. Listen, Edie, I want to say congratulations and thank you so much for the partnership that we have, for bringing the voices, for bringing the stories, for bringing the champions together. And I hope that all of us have an incredible end of year where we can be with our families and friends, but do it in a responsible way that does not actually just like exacerbate the contagious and the spread of the pandemic. So. Happy holidays, Edie. Let's all of us have, you know, like a great end of year. I end the year with a great sense of thankfulness to you and to all the team of Global Goalscast. And I really hope that what we're doing is informing people to know um, that we have to learn how to live with things and we have to learn how to live better. Thank you. And thank you to everyone at 4SD, David, Catherine, Tessie, and everyone that's joined these difficult but important briefings. And thanks to you, our listeners. So it's time for a break. Claudia's voice definitely needs it. I think we all deserve a small break. And we will be back in 2022 with more on how we can change the world. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And please follow us, subscribe, rate us, like listen to Global Goalscast and through that, get informed to change the world. Happy holidays, everybody. Feliz Navidad. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Feliz Navidad, everyone. Bye-bye. Global Goalscast was hosted by Edie Lush and Claudia Romo Edelman. Your editorial gurued by Mike Oreskes. Editing and sound production by Simon James. Our operations director is Michelle Howard. Music in this episode was courtesy of Universal Production Music. 
one of the world's leading production music companies, creating and licensing music for film, television, advertising, broadcast, and other media, including podcasts. This episode of Global Goals Cast is brought to you by Universal Production Music. Thanks also to CBS News Digital. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. 